Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I got to talk with the Super Suck Lord. He's a pop artist from Chinatown, New York City, and he's also an indie filmmaker. And we talk about his project, Toy Lords of Chinatown. Let's get into it. And here we are with the legendary supervillain himself, the Suck Lord. Suck Lord, thanks for being on the podcast. Make it worth my while. I will do my best. First and foremost, uh, you are an artist. And in, in many circles, you're, you're a famous artist. You pretty much created a whole um, subgenre of, of uh, the art scene. How did you do that? I mean, that's a whole nother podcast if you want to get into that. I mean, the only reason I wanted to do the show because you wanted to talk about something other than that. Right. Well, I figure, I figure that your filmmaking is so heavily influenced by your other art that we might as well just touch on it a little bit. It is, it is an extension of, so I'll try, to, I'll try to be brief. Cool. I've always been a fan of toys and action figures and Star Wars and things of that nature and just always had certain amount of creative inclinations that uh, I was raised in an environment that uh, allowed me to indulge. And after years and years of screwing around with every type of means of expression uh, you could imagine, I, I stumbled upon a sort of handmade action figure making process that I dubbed bootlegging, where I took existing pieces of uh, old Star Wars figures and other three and three quarter action figures and chopped them up and remixed the pieces, uh, made molds and then cast uh, limited edition runs of these figures and then put them in this uh, ironic, cheeky and you know um, satirical uh, blister packaging and just started selling them you know on the on the underground collector toy market and I mm -hmm. guess somehow somehow people seemed to think it was something significant and bought it and have been buying it for the past 12 or 13 years and I don't know I don't know how I, how I did it I mean it's the most preposterous thing in the world I've been paying two rents in Manhattan for wow. 13 years off of just making making crappy broken you know fake toys and selling them for like jacking the prices up ridiculously you know a single figure is like 75 bucks now i don't know how i did it that's for that's for others to to decide you know what 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 happened but i just created this little lane for myself making toys and that and that uh that world you created you extended it into um the filmmaking world with your toy lords of chinatown I was, I mean, I was always interested in making films, maybe even before I was interested in making toys. You know, I saw Star Wars in the theater in 1977 when I was eight years old. And that, you know, had a, I don't have to explain the impact that that <laughs> had on, you know, that's a whole nother hour right there. Just, you know, going into that. But, right. you know, you all know, you all know what Star Wars does. And, you know, of course, I was attracted to that and the, the toy aspect of it as well. But 
I remember a little bit after the movie came out, there was a special on TV called The Making of Star Wars, which is like just an hour-long show mm -hmm. that I videotaped when they broadcast it that just showed how they put it together. And even when I was like an eight-year-old kid, I was really kind of just surprised or impressed or that how they were making it out of nothing, you know, just like the way they cobbled together the, the droids and the props and just all the practical effects, the way they kitbashed the ships out of right. old model kits and stuff like that. I was like, wow, I, I could do this. You know, it's not, the, it took, it stripped away all the mystery of the process and it just, it just seemed like an accessible thing to do. So I continually dabbled in stuff like that. I had a Super 8 camera. I, had, I got my first video camera in 1980. It was like one of those ones where you have wow. to plug it into the VCR. I mean, this thing was a beast, ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't portable. So we just set it up in the house and just sort of made little, you know, movies that were more like sort of little vaudeville shows or just, you know, it was just like one background the whole time. Mm -hmm. Just acted stuff out. And, you know, I always, in, always enjoyed it, but I never really thought that I was going to pursue film. And then as I became an adult, I just wound up that, you know, I dabbled in music, which is also plays a big part in the filmmaking, I think. But sure. I was screwing around with that. And then it just seemed that it, it was the toy making that really actually clicked and started making a living for me and started getting me fame and recognition. So I, I focused on that, but I never really surrendered in my other interests. And around 2006, when, when I, late 2005, early 2006, when, when YouTube came out and, you know, the price of the, of the equipment was getting cheaper and, you know, you had, you could like just, you know, edit on your, on your computer. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I should probably get in on this. I can make fast, easy stuff that just sort of supplements what I'm doing. And I, there was always like a costuming aspect to, to my work. You know, when I was a kid, I started really dressing up like Boba Fett seriously, first on Halloween, you know, making costumes and getting into the inhabiting characters and the persona, mm -hmm. you know, really into the cosplay and all that stuff like that. And, and I brought that back with my music. I put out this record called Star Wars Breakbeats, which is this remixed Star Wars music and sound effects cut up with like breaks and hip hop loops and stuff like that. And I had to go out and sell this product. And it just, I wasn't going to go out just with my stupid face hanging out there. Hi, my name's Morgan Phillips, you know, buy my record. I was like, I got to make a character. And I just sort of revisited the Boba Fett thing. And I just sort of updated the costume and made him into sort of like a hip hop character. He had like graffiti on the helmet, the gold chain and the fat laces. And I would go out to conventions and like, you know, when they had the big lines outside the movies, when like Phantom Menace came out with this big boom box and just blasting the record and selling the CDs out of my, out of my, out of my suitcase. And I would, you know, I took it seriously. You know, I never took mm -hmm. the mask off. I always made, you know, I always made a point to like stay in character and that sort of created a certain amount of mystery and ar around me. And then when I started really getting heavily into toys, I made figures of that sort of Boba Fett character. And over time, he morphed from being hip-hop Boba Fett into this toy-making supervillain named the Suck Lord who, like, lived in Chinatown. You know, I, was, I always identified with Chinatown just because I'm a New York guy. And it's like, you know, it's a real, you know, honest, you know, real gritty, you know, super authentic New York neighborhood. And, you know, yeah. there's it's, it's Chinatown always had a certain allure to non-Chinese people because you don't really know what the hell's going on behind 
closed doors and in those little basements. And because I was selling bootlegs or counterfeit goods or, you know, my, my products were quasi illegal, I sort of identified with that hustler aspect of, you know, selling on the street and bringing someone down into a shady basement to do a cash only deal and stuff like that. So I was always attracted to that. And that just sort of became part of the mythology of this character that he was this weird supervillain that lived, you know, lived in Chinatown and, you know, was sort of a gangster that was into hip hop. So the, the Suck Lord character was very well developed before you even considered making him a toy and definitely before you, you started filming him. Sort of. I mean, he was, it was really make, it was, he was really a hip hop Boba Fett for a long time until I made him into a toy. And then when I made the toy, it wasn't that anymore. It was the Suck Lord. It was just something I used a, it was just an accident. I put a, Bo, a, a Django Fett helmet on a Count Dooku body and I was like, oh, this looks cool. It's like a Mandalorian Sith Lord, you know? And I was just like, let me just make a figure of this. And it was like, I needed uh, a picture for the package. So I just put the costume on and took the picture and I was like, oh, I guess these guys are the same thing now. And it just somehow went on from there where it was just like, okay, I'm starting to make toys. And now this guy is, is evolved from just being uh, a mashup character into something a little bit more distilled. But so, it was really making him into the toy that made him the character that you see in the thing. Mm-hmm. But but he wasn't even the main thing. When it came time, when I decided I want to make movies, I had been wearing that costume for, for a while, and it, I, there were certain liabilities to it. One, his face is totally covered. So I figured he's not going to be like a compelling main character. And it was mm-hmm. only really, I wanted to make movies just because I thought it would sell the toys and it would just like be a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't really trying to make a movie for the sake of making a movie. It was more just like a sort of an addendum to what I was doing. And uh, I was like, he's a liability. You can't see his face. It's like, it's limited range for acting. He's just not going to be able to be uh, a lead character. And also it was like, I really thought this was going to go somewhere. And I thought, um, I don't want to have it be, I don't want my main character in the film to be a Boba Fett ripoff. Because I thought, what happens, you know, if, uh, if this takes off and it transcends the toys, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's it going to be? Because I didn't start out making Toy Lords of Chinatown. I just, you know, wanted to make, I, I just wanted to make the videos for the experience. And I was like, we need original characters. It's like, if I need an original character and that you need to be able to act through the mask. Like, can we can we back up and set the scene a little for the people out there about what Toy Lords of Chinatown is? It, what what kind of a environment? What what's happening? And I know the opening um, narration. Uh, is that pretty much it? In the future, action figures rule the streets, and ruthless gangsters control the supply. And Chinatown is where they wage their wars. <laughs> Actually, we just just straight ripped off the soundtrack to to Blackula for the for the <laughs> opening title. But we'll we'll talk about that about nice. about the the, rip, the ripoff aspect later. Yeah. The thing is, I didn't I didn't know. It, it took a while for the toys and the thing to meet. I just wanted to make movies about supervillains and. I needed a new character, so I made up a new character. I just went to the Halloween store and was like, I need to make a mask. Who, who, what's it going to be? And I, I just found this Iron Man mask. And it was, just, it was like the comic book Iron Man, you know, with, the, oh, with sure. the, the, the mean eyes. And just like, and I just cut it up and painted it purple, and it sort of looked like a, a bug. 
And I just was like, okay, this guy is a cockroach villain, you know, and his name is Vectar. It just sounded like a dumb science fiction, you know, crappy science fiction villain name, Vectar the Intolerable. Just made the name up. And then I, I had my, I had put, I put all my other friends in masks. All my friends just was like, you're going to be this guy, make up something. And then we came, we had like Baron Dark Owl, who was like the magician and, you know, Crystal Farrell was like the music guy. And then my girlfriend at the time had just slapped this Dr. Doom mask on her. And it's like, and she had a big butt. So it's like, your name is Spooky Booty. And then this <laughs> other girl was like, you're Mary Papers because you're all about money and things of that nature. And just sort of came up with these characters. None of us were actors or anything. And I, we tried making these movies and they were terrible. We came up with Original Villains. That was the name of the thing, Original Villain Network. Oh, and right. an idea was, it's like, we're trying to make original things that aren't Star Wars. And it was so bad because it was YouTube and all the movies on there were kind of junky at the time. You know, this is 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't really have to try very hard. So we didn't write any scripts. We just had this loose concept. It's like these super villains are running some kind of company. They're trying to take over the world, but they're doing it like they're running it like a business, but they're all incompetent and they're making movies of themselves. And the movies that you're watching are the movies that you're seeing. It was like this really trying to be all super meta and mm -hmm. self-referential and trying to like they're running a tv show and they're making a tv show of themselves and we just and nobody got it and we had no scripts we thought we could just improvise the whole thing and it was dumb and we made a bunch of episodes of whatever and it just wasn't happening and none of my friends and me were on the same page at all about what we're trying to do and nobody was watching it still nobody's watching it it was like this isn't working hmm. I, said, I dissolved that project i was like i'm just gonna focus i'm gonna tell a story i'm gonna tell a proper story it's like it took me like two years to realize, oh, you got to write a script first. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I came up, you know, I started coming up with ideas. It's just like, I'm going to make a story about the toys. That's what it, you know, it took me forever to get to that. Mm -hmm. But I already learned how to use the, the, the software and all that stuff. So it's good practice. And it's like, okay, I'm going to write a script and we're going to start shooting. And I'm just going to make the mythology of the Suck Lord and his, and Vectar. Like Vectar was going to be the main character and the Suck Lord was going to be. The, the antagonist. Even though they're both bad guys, they're still technically a pro protagonist and an antagonist. Yeah, and what's and, interesting is um, when I think of the Suck Lord, I think of two, basically two outfits. And Vectar is one of them. That, uh, the maroon suit with the, with the big collar. Right. Yeah. So that's the blurring of the Suck Lord. It's almost like, uh, uh, you know, two sides of the coin or something. Well, let's not give away the ending, but it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that I the ending? The, whatever the, the, like, uh, the suck Lord and Vectar sort of represent two different aspects of myself where they came to be, at least in this movie where the, the suck Lord is this sort of like successful megalomaniacal, you know, winner, you know, he's the, he's the top of the game. You know, mm -hmm. he's the guy that he's the toy Lord. He's the ultimate success he's good with women he's good with money he's a star he's he's got his life together you know and he's a self-aggrandizing jerk off and and vectar is this broke miserable you know misanthropic loser you know and they're both me and it's like they're both sort of fighting each other for no no good reason mm -hmm. there's no reason why they're fighting except I, that they're just both jerk offs i love and, uh, when when those two characters are in the same scene together and I'm like, okay, which one's really Suck Lord? Oh, it's, I'm always in the Vectar. Yeah, but it, I, 
Yeah, it, it could be funny if, if you mixed it up a couple times, you know? The thing is hard enough to watch as it is, so I don't know. I don't know if I want to confuse people. But yeah, there's probably been about 15 different people playing the Suck Lord over, over, the, over the years. This one, there's been girls have played him, dudes of every body type. It's just, yeah, it's you can tell by the run. You can tell it's not you by the run. <laughs> yeah, know? and some people are really good at it. Some people are just wooden. And it's just funny because it's like, yo, I need you to play this part. Okay, I've always wanted to do that. And then you put them in the costume and they're stiff. But it's like, we don't rehearse or do anything. We're just like, I, I, I send them the script like the morning of. And it's like, mm. okay, meet me here. And it's someplace out on the street. And it's just like, okay, go. And, and then he, he starts acting. And I'm like, oh my God, he's terrible. <laughs> and I just have to, have to go with it. Yeah. I just have to go with it. Oh, it so, adds to the charm, dude. Everything, uh, everything does. Well, the idea with this was just like, I'm going to make a movie about these supervillains that are making bootleg toys. And every episode, you're going to see all these toys they're working on. And then when the episode comes out, you can buy the toys right at the same time. So it's really just a glorified commercial. Mm-hmm. But then it started taking on a life of its own. And it just became this massively unwieldy project that I'm desperately trying to finish. Because, uh, I mean, it's I, I, it's so hard to do it with i have no money and Mm. no crew and just like you wouldn't the the seat of the pants aspect of it is just ridiculous and that's why i I, uh, really uh, respect the final product i mean whether it's the locations or the editing or the music drops um you can tell there was thought put into this and sure it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and and you know funny um like some of the I mean, battle it, scenes are just ridiculous. It, it has to be because I'm not in a position right now to make effective cinema. Right. I, I don't. I don't have the resources or the talent or just the control. Well, and I think yeah, like, I think you're selling I'm yourself a, short, just like you do a lot of times when you talk about your your bootleg art, um, because there is a style that runs through all of these, and. We, we should tell them you, you are releasing these as series, right? Or episodes on YouTube. Yeah. So yes. the first episode of Toy Lords came out in what? 2010, and it's seven minutes long. And you're working on the, the fifth episode now? Is that it? Yeah. Wow. So we're I mean, talking they, they seven get... year span, well, one project. T- tell me about that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just committed to finishing it. And it just, it, I had a certain idea in my mind of an arc, but it's also like, as you're making it, it just starts to flesh out. It's like, you make a new friend and they're like, I want to be in it. So you make up a character for them. And then suddenly you're making your, your show longer. Cause now you've shoehorned all these other little mm-hmm. details and subplots. And it's, you know, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I only know how it ends and I don't always know every step of how it gets there. And then it just gets, you know, you get an idea, you want to put something in there. So you just do it. And it's just, what's weird about it is like, I, I have this way of working where it's like, it's all shot in New York city mm-hmm. and we don't, we don't get permits. We don't do anything. It's all gorilla. We just show up and it's like, okay, I want to shoot in this place, show up, go. And it's crazy. Cause it's, it's so annoying because sometimes you go out there and it's like, oh, it was perfect yesterday, but now there's a car parked like right where, you know, my action was going to take place. And right. it's like, I've already called my cameraman. I've, called, I've got like five actors here. I can't reschedule this. So just figure it out. And then I, 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 because we're shooting in New York and, and the city is 
gentrifying so rapidly. It's like, you know, I really want to catch an older, grittier, mm -hmm. you know, busted up version of New York City. And they're cleaning this place up so fast that I can't keep up. And like sometimes I'll wake up one morning, I'll go on Twitter and I'll read like famous classic New York institution X is closing next week. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to go and get a shot there. You know, right. went, like everything from Coney Island to Mars Bar to, you know. But then you also mix in um, art galleries. Yeah. But I mean, yes, yes, I do. I mean, it's also like, well, like the Kid Robot, all those art galleries that we shot in are all places that close too. Those are all like important places oh, really? to the designer toy world. Yeah. Like we shot in the Toy Tokyo showroom. We shot at the old Toy Tokyo, which that episode hasn't aired yet. We shot uh, in the Kid Robot store in Soho, which closed. And it's like, I knew that store was closing. So it's like, I got to go in there and film before it closes. So, you know, just show up and do the best you can. And it's always rushed and, uh, you know, and then you work with what you got. But, mm -hmm. and it's just, but it's funny because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I have a scene in mind that takes place here, for example. Like I wanted, you know, the, uh, a certain part of the, the end, end run of the story, you know, to take place in, in Coney Island. You know, yeah. or say the the Chinatown Arcade, or uh, this 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 in, this insane asylum on Roosevelt Island. So you go and shoot there, and then have to like, and I say, okay, this is for a later episode, and then come back when you're on that episode, like five years later, ten years later. I'm working with footage now that I shot ten years ago, and that footage is being intercut with shots I'm doing now. Right. So it's just ridiculous. Like the guy's beard looks different. We're <laughs> 10 years older. It's like, I'm using a different camera. It's, you know, it's like, and it's just like, ah. Now I wanted to ask you, since you are um, blending, you know, uh, footage from over the years, uh, was it a conscious decision to stick with the four, three aspect ratio? Yes. Because when I started doing this, I started shooting this in 2007. Like we didn't start putting it out till 2010, but I started shooting it in 2007. I had a ton of footage, you know, stuff from like Astroland and Coney Island, which it doesn't exist anymore. It's mm -hmm. like I can't, I can't reshoot that. I mean, it's terrible. It looks stupid, but no, I love it. I just don't want to switch back and forth. I just want to keep it in that ratio. Yeah, it's an interesting experiment to sort of practice doing stuff with nothing. It's like I come back from a shoot. And I look at the footage and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, and then you just got to sit there, smoke a joint and just like massage it and mm -hmm. sculpt it and bend it and melt it. It really is like sculpting, shit. editing. It takes a while. Yeah. But it's amazing when you get, when you start to finally get it, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like all these stupid cheats and just throw like fake things you know just mm -hmm. like shots that make no sense but they go so fast and just like trying to cobble together a scene out of flawed footage and as soon as you throw like awesome track on there boom then it works mm -hmm. it's like that's why that's why there's almost always some music playing i mean if it's soundtrack music or background music because i need something to save the scene right it'd be terrible if it didn't have no any music <laughs> so having like a kick-ass song playing in the background just sort of gets you part of the way there I love the fact that all your technology is kind of like retro future. It's it's like it's a throwback to the past, but it's not quite right. Everything's a little off. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I mean, I always thought it would just be funny. Like it's like an analog future. It's like you mm -hmm. know how they have 
it's like instead of steampunk, it's like analog punk. It's like imagining a world where the internet never happened. Right. Where Commodore like, 64 is everywhere. Yeah. But it's like we still use analog technology as if it's the internet. Like there's an internet in this world called the original villain network. That's what finally happened with that idea. Ah. You know, it just became, it's like they have their own little networking system but it's like the laptop has like an antenna attached to right it, right you know and it's just well like even when like, you refer to social media it's like insta post or you know you, it, it's everything is a little off you take great detail yeah, it's like with how, that. how many how many followers you got on friend book yeah <laughs> uh, you know stuff like that so yeah you know it's just sort of like it's like a sort of alternate reality where just things didn't go exactly we don't know if an apocalypse happens or mm -hmm. any anything like that it's just like or it's just these people live in such an insular world these villains have this like secret world that only they deal in and their technology and their way to communicate is only accessible to them or just like they're so far down like this is like a a fantasy chinatown that it's like so far downtown that like mm -hmm. the internet never got there and anything like that yeah so you know it's i mean you know that's that's i mean i would love to develop all these ideas it's just funny because i have like a, a i have like a grand version of this story i think i've only got one story to tell and this is like the the, the bare bones version of it but i have like a what if I had a Game of Thrones budget version where I'm just sort of writing it out as a as a novel just mm -hmm. to get the ideas out? Because just so just so happens if I ever happen to get to the point where I can do something, I have a, a, a compelling story ready to go. Mm -hmm. But it's really important for me to finish this this movie because it's inextricably tied in with my art craft and my toy making. And I'm trying to phase out certain things and I'm trying to sort of call my bootleg toys like a finished body of work mm. and there's toys related to the toy lords thing that haven't get made yet so i'm trying to make all that stuff now so i can really just like barrel towards the exit and finish the damn thing i never <laughs> ever i never ever want to make a movie like this ever again i mean it's it's fun but it's 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 so it's so it's really hard yeah it's really hard indie and, filmmaking is not easy and eventually it, when when it gets noticed you're not going to have to waste your time doing the stupid stuff, you know? You, you're going to direct or you're going to produce. Yeah, I mean, that's why I don't even expect that this thing is going to catapult me anywhere. I mean, nobody even watches it. It doesn't even, it has like 5,000 views. It's like only the people that buy my toys really watch this. Nobody figured it out. And I don't, I don't only think like, it's only if God willing... I make some masterpiece in the future that people are going to look back at this toy lord thing and be like, Oh, mm -hmm. now I get it. Now I get what he, now I get what he was trying to do. Right. So now let's get back to the actual toy lords of Chinatown. Your, your stuff is chopped up more than your action figures. Yeah. Which is my footage is so terrible. <laughs> uh, it's so funny, but uh, when, when you're forced to cut so much, it actually improves the uh, the pacing and it makes it feel more alive, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, that's really important to me. It's just like, I know I know that like I'm making sort of like a, 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 a lackluster thing or I'm just like, it's like there's, it, I'm asking the, the audience to forgive a lot and the quality. So I figured at least let this move quickly, you know, like mm -hmm. let something happen, let every, like, like an MTV style cuts, you know, like let, let the, let the cuts happen fast. Let the action unfold quickly. Let's just like get to the point. 
you know, and just like, ha- you know, have a, te- have a tempo. That's why I like to pick, the- I usually I pick the song before I even start to cut the scene, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I have a, a tempo, you know, like th- that sets the, you know, the speed of the action. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about the future. You sound like you, you, you're, you're in a rush or you, you're just tired and you want to, you want to finish this film. When can we expect the, the, the next installment of Toy Lords? I have no idea. <laughs> next year to 2018 at some point. Now, and then I'm trying. Is this just yeah. a? Is, is this just another episode, or is this a complete wrap up? No, there's another episode after this. Oh, okay. So we got. I two mean, it more. was good. It was. It was going to be seven, but I think I could get it down to six, and I think I just should. I, it needs to be finished. It just needs to be done. It's like, it's like I. Can, I feel like I can't move on with my life mm-hmm. until it's done because I don't think like, and even with the way I make my toys, I'm trying to finish this. And go on. It's like I figured, like I can't, I have to finish this before I can go forward. And then once I go forward, I'm never revisiting this approach. So mm-hmm. it's like I want to make sure it's it's done to my own satisfaction, and it's like I've actually completed the work as I envisioned it to be completed. And but that just means like I'm really eager to get on with the rest of my life. So I want to sort of finish this now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I might want to leave New York, and it's like I can't come back and do this. And all my friends are getting old, and it's like you know, it's like we've aged ten years since the beginning of this thing. Thank mm-hmm. God we're all wearing masks, <laughs> or else it just just wouldn't work. But it's just like I just want to. I just want to get it wrapped up. But and it's like you know, there's the, the bootleg toys playing an integral role in the film. So in order to finish the movie, I have to finish the toys. And it's mm-hmm. like I'm working, on, I'm working on some of the end pieces now. And I don't know, hope, hopefully I could just get it done sooner rather than later and then take, take the show on the road. Well, Sucklord, um, thanks again, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, you offered to stroke my ego and blow smoke up my ass. So that sounded like <laughs> a good deal to me. If I could plug for a minute... Uh, my Patreon. Sure. I mean, you could watch, you could, you could, you could join my Patreon for a buck a month. And basically it's just like, it's, it's just like support me. And I give a video every month where I just talk about what I'm doing and I give out prizes and gifts and stuff like that, exclusive stuff. But then also at the $5 level, you get a monthly making of Toy Lords of Chinatown video, which I did this to myself because it's like, I'm never going to get this movie done unless every month I have to move the ball forward because like i would sometimes go like months and months and months without doing this so it's like mm-hmm. if i got people on patreon that are giving me five dollars a month that are going to expect like a a five to ten minute video where i just sort of show them what did i shoot this week or this month or what did i edit or what what did i do to make this happen holds you accountable it holds me accountable and if any i don't know how many people listen to your show I'm millions sure it's in the millions go go to patreon.com slash the sucklord and give me some money and i promise you it'll be just like listening to this podcast again and again and again with but with all kinds of variations and nuances and uh sort of repetitions on a theme well that's that i hope you enjoyed this episode of the indie film great podcast Feel free to go to our website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, 
Let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?